4: And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Our final part of the Ultimate Division crossover today, our NFC North preview We are finishing up our conversation around a division that is going to be brutally difficult next year. At least three of the teams are going to feel like they are playoff teams. Detroit, maybe right on the edge. If you've been listening all week, you know Matt Derry, not particularly bullish on their chances. But I I still think it's a fun discussion. We get into some some 30,000-foot view stuff about best coach, best quarterback, all that stuff. I I don't know that you're going to love – some of the answers that you get from some of our our roundtable guests. So a really fascinating discussion to get to, but we already have news. We already have interesting things to discuss, so let's get to it. The off-season begins even before the Combine, even before free agency. There are already moves being made because on Friday, as we sit here, Teams are cutting players ahead of free agency. This is pre-free agency, and that means the Packers could add potential impact players. I mean, there are legitimate good starters who are going to be cut today and in the coming weeks that allow Green Bay to bolster their roster. And one thing that we have to also incorporate here is the players that they potentially could sign would not count against their comp pick formula. And this is something that has not really mattered the last two years because Green Bay has been active in free agency. It's something that Ted Thompson was deadly serious about. He wanted those comp picks because they were extra draft opportunities to find impact players. And, and it, it wasn't always that they were ultra successful with them, but it's another bite at the apple in the draft which is often, especially in the rounds where you get those comp picks, four, 5, six, 7, they're just dart throws. They're lottery tickets. And the more lottery tickets you have, the better chance you have of hitting on someone. So Brian Gutekinds this offseason does not have an arsenal of cap space like he did last season. So this is where you do your shopping if you can. The Bears cut Taylor Gabriel, let's say, or Sammy Watkins. Now, we already have some names rolling in. Tony Jefferson was released by the Baltimore Ravens. The safety was going to count $12 million on their cap this year. They say almost all of it by releasing him. Well, what if Green Bay, who we know likes to play that three-safety big-nickel look, wants an upgrade over Raven Green or Will Redmond or Ibrahim Campbell? Or... Just wants to, as Russ Uglum at Packer Report has suggested, play Darnell Savage in more of a Tyron Matthew role. Allow him to play in the box, play slot corner, cover tight ends a little bit more. If you sign a legitimate veteran safety who can come in and play the other positions while he is moving around, he being Savage in this case. That provides a lot of flexibility for your defense and allows Mike Patton to get more creative, disguising coverages and moving these these versatile pieces around. Adrian Amos can already play a little bit of everywhere, but he's not the kind of athlete, the kind of cover player Darnell Savage is. Savage, a former corner, and has unique athletic traits, explosiveness, speed, change of direction. He could cover receivers in the slot. Adrian Amos couldn't do that. This is a, a potential track Green Bay could take this offseason and, and go all in, sort of as the Rockets have. Go all in on playing small. You can go all in on playing small when you can find a guy like Robert Covington to come in who can play defense, shoot threes, and defend on the wing, right? Well, if you're going to play small, you need to find the safeties that can that can maximize your advantages when you play small. And this is the problem with Blake Martinez. If he's going to be the one linebacker on the field, He's just not versatile enough, not athletic enough, and and just not, frankly, good enough to allow you to do that. So what if you, instead of worrying as much about that linebacker spot, spent the money on a safety who's going to play next to him or around him, whatever it is, and then whoever you're going to bring in to be that linebacker, you have someone picking up the slack for them. Let's say you draft a Kenneth Murray or a Patrick Queen or an Akeem Davis Gaither, and they're going to come in as a rookie and be your middle linebacker. Well, if you have a veteran who can play in the box, suddenly that makes your life a lot easier. Another name of potential interest already released from his contract is Paul Richardson. And Richardson is someone who went to Washington on a big money deal and was someone that a lot of Packer fans wanted. He was someone who in Seattle would would flash create a big play, a leaping one-handed catch, but couldn't stay healthy. He is a blur down the field and can create big plays when he is playing. The problem is he has struggled to stay healthy. So what if the number is small, three, four million, and you can bring him in and he can take some of those Marquez Valdez-Scantling snaps. And if he's asked to do less, maybe he's more likely to stay on the field. He's another name Green Bay could have interest in. I, I don't think they're going to go for the the Robbie Anderson and Emmanuel Sanders types. Now, if, if Sammy Watkins comes on the market, cool. He is a legitimate, bona fide number two. He's really a 1B. And when he's on the field, he is a very talented player. He moves the needle. I don't know that spending 12-plus million on Robbie Anderson versus just drafting someone like Jalen Rager or Brandon Ayuk really is a value add there, especially relative to cost. Someone like Richardson, though, if his prices come down significantly from what he made on that last deal, and maybe he doesn't find a market the same way he did last time, this is another stop where he struggled to stay on the field, but he does bring a a defined skill set. He can create down the field, and that is still valuable to teams. If you can create big plays, if you can run, I mean, Henry Ruggs, from Alabama, is going to go in the top 25 of this draft, and pretty much all he can do is run really fast. He's not a refined route runner, not polished as a receiver, doesn't have a lot of wiggle in the open field, but damn, is he fast. I mean, 4'2 fast. He is Tyreek Hill fast. And if he can refine his route running, and some people think he's got more upside there than, than maybe I do, but just being fast is a skill in the NFL because of what it can do for a defense and even more so when you're actually a threat. If Paul Richardson is on the field, you have to respect his ability to get down the field. And again, he's a veteran, someone that Aaron Rodgers could believe in right away. That has its own kind of value. And these are the kinds of players you're going to find on the market right away. They're already available, and we're going to see that list grow. I mean, it could be growing as we're recording this right now. By the time I edit and post this, there could be more names. And we'll talk about them over the course of the next few weeks as they come out because Green Bay could very well consider some of these players. They tend to, to come cheaper because they're being released off bigger money deals, and so they may not have the same value as an impending free agent. Someone may be coming off a better season. Sometimes free agents hit the free agent market, Precisely because they played so well and are now too expensive for their new teams. These players who are hitting the market now tend to be guys who underperformed. And therefore, if you think that there is a possibility their performance could spike back and get to where their original play that got them that free agent deal was, then you can find values in this
0: part of what I call pre free agency. Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better.
2: This episode is brought to you by WISE. Progress is great, isn't it? People listen to music on record players, then tapes and CDs, and now you can stream music and podcasts. When technology moves forward, you move with it. Like with WISE, the modern way to move money internationally. It's smarter and simpler. They use new technologies, so when you send, spend, or convert money with WISE, you get a better exchange rate with lower fees. And over 30% of transfers arrive in less time than it takes to listen to this right now. Join over 10 million people and businesses and try WISE for free at WISE.com
4: podcast. All right, the final day of our ultimate crossover. Hopefully it has been the ultimate crossover for you listening at home. I am Peter Bukowski with Locked On Packers. I am with... The whole NFC North team: Luke Braun, Matt Derry, Lauren Cox. Luckily, uh, a lot of easy names. You guys are you guys are really making it easy on me. Uh, the NFC North in 2020, as we look ahead, is going to be competitive. Every team is going to feel like they have a shot at the playoffs. So I want to start with with one of the two teams that didn't make the playoffs, and and is close, Lauren, with the Bears. Is there is there um, a pathway that you see to getting back there, and, and what is the thing that you think will keep the, the Bears potentially from from making it back and competing for the NFC North? It's it's the obvious answer,
3: but it all comes back to that quarterback position. I think the fewer games Mitchell Trubisky starts in 2020 potentially means the better an opportunity. I mean, I think the path is similar to the Tennessee Titans model. I, I think that's going to be the bear, the way the Bears opt for. And I think the, the, the road to the playoffs is Trubisky struggles for the first X number of weeks, four games, six games, eight games, and maybe you win half or a third of those, and then another quarterback comes in and starts to put things together and has the offense operating just a little bit more smoothly than Trubisky was able to do. And you pair that with a defense that should be Back in the top ten range, where it's been kind of hovering the last few years, and I think you know a strong late season stretch with a a backup quarterback who was brought in because they had the ability to start. That's sort of like my path. I I just it's hard for me to envision another scenario where Trubisky has so much support around him and and plays well enough to really carry this team the way that they're going to need. They they can't. It's going to be unreachable for them to recreate what they did in 2018 in a way where the quarterback play didn't make that big of a difference on a week in and week out basis because we haven't really seen a lot of fluctuation from Trubisky. He's kind of always stayed at this baseline level of can hit some impressive throws in, in clutch moments but misses a lot of the easy ones but it's been a question of have they been able to just be perfect around him. They were pretty darn close in 2018 and pretty darn far in 2019 and I, I think if they can figure out that position so many other things around them will improve as a result and make everybody else's job a little bit easier and be that difference between playoffs and not
4: is there a discussion worth having about who the best quarterback in the division is going to be in 2020 i thought honestly for the first half of last season i thought it was matthew stafford matt
3: dearie what do you think yeah
1: yeah no I, i i think at least at the start of the year for sure uh like Kirk cousins was fantastic rogers you know funny the people and Peter will tell you that you know the whole Rogers thing and and Peter twice on our shows and we did the crossovers like he's he's not playing all that well but you wouldn't have known it because they were winning and occasionally some gaudy numbers but yeah Stafford and as long as he's back next year which I think he will be and the health thing is a huge concern for Detroit with with Stafford two straight years now with this broken bones in his back they claim he's fine uh and there's all that Tua talk which we talked about earlier in the week that is hovering around Detroit. Do they pull the trigger and do this? Uh, but yeah, no, I would say Stafford had a great start to the year, but how can you argue with what Cousins did um, You know, the, the whole season? What about moving yeah. forward, though, if we're going
4: to project it forward to 2020? Who do we think the best QB will be in 2020? Teddy
3: Bridgewater on the Bears.
4: <laughs> <laughs> don't, get my fan, don't get the Bears fans'
3: listeners' hopes up.
5: You stay away from Teddy. <laughs> hey, he would be, I'll, I'll
3: he would be cherished in Chicago.
5: Yeah, if you keep Cousins in a wide zone, which is what they'll do, Cousins can thrive in a wide zone. The best years he's had in his whole career have been with yeah. McVay or Kubiak, wide zone, Shanahan scheme, and they're going to do that again. And I think you could get a good year out of Cousins. Hard to argue against Rodgers or know what like you're going to get out of him and know what age is doing or is he going to stay healthy and like more questions have popped up over the last three years. But I think if you wanted to bet Cousins, I wouldn't blame you. I don't know; it's hard for me to reconcile that with like the other you know kind of like nervous breakdown moments that he has fumbling and stuff and (laughs) he was way more conservative and there's plenty of, of problems you know a lot of vikings fans are talking about drafting jordan love or you know trading up to try to get somebody and get a new quarterback or should we even extend cousins in the first place so there's it's far from a certainty but i get why you'd bet on
4: him is it weird that i didn't hate the the pro football talk suggestion of of kirk cousins for jimmy g
5: I don't know how to think about that because I don't know anything about uh, Jimmy G. Like, I, I I have no evaluation on him. But sure, I mean, like, a guy who can only thrive in a wide zone on a huge contract for another guy who can only thrive in a wide zone on a huge contract? Yeah, why not?
4: Do we do we have a clear picture of who the best coach is in this division? Right? I mean, it's got to be LeFleur right now, right? That's what it feels like, like.
5: He's the only one who's, like, not on the hot seat if things go bad in 2020. <laughs>
4: That's true. I mean, I I, I personally am, am torn because I have so much respect for Mike Zimmer. I think he's a really good defensive coach. I, I do worry about his tendency to feel like the run game needs to be everything. I'm, I worry about any coach like Pete Carroll is the same kind of guy. I think Pete Carroll is a hell of a coach, but his insistence on running the ball is holding his team back. Do you think. Like Mike Zimmer can can adjust. Is that something that that because if if he can, if this offense all of a sudden Kirk Cousins is throwing it 30 times a game, maybe that's not even the best thing for him. But I, I do wonder about that with Zimmer.
5: Yeah, they got a lot more aggressive in uh, 2019. Even though they passed the ball fewer times, they made more out of those passes. Yeah. And it was just more about like shot plays and, you know, long, like more intermediate passes and stuff like that. But yeah, that is a huge weakness of of Mike Zimmer is this idea that, you know, he feels like he needs to come in and say, no, 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 run the ball more. I think with Kubiak at the helm, Zimmer will feel a lot better kind of taking a hands-off approach than he did with the very green, very young Kevin Stefanski. Um, but I also think that Gary Kubiak feels the same way about the run and that they need to set up all these things before they can get away with play action. And I think they're wrong about that. And (laughs) I I think that that's a weakness for Zimmer. But I've always thought that Zimmer was at least a top 10, if not a top five coach. He's always gotten more out of his players than their Mm -hmm. talent level. I don't think that that's really been untrue. I mean, they've been a a top 10 team since he got here. And the only a, a lot of the arguments against him are these kind of fallacies rooted in like, but they didn't win a Super Bowl. And it's like, whatever.
1: I thought LaFleur did a whale of a job um, this year, for sure, especially with all that Aaron Rodgers talk at the start of the year in July and August. Can they get along? Will this young kid be able to reel him in? It's funny with Zimmer. uh, Dude won a playoff game on the road this year. He comes to Detroit and does that. He'll get – I almost swore. He'll get the damn keys to the city. (laughs) I mean, are you kidding? And, by the way,
5: you're welcome, Peter, because now the worst – uh, 13 and three team in history is the only one that lost on Wild Card
4: weekend. So that's, that's our favorite to you. That's I, we, Hey, look Packer fans very, because there, there was no question. Packer fans were way more afraid of the new Orleans saints than the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, it wasn't even close. I thought the the saints were the second best team in the, in the conference and they lost.
1: That's their best team.
4: <laughs> well, funny,
1: funny how quiet Lauren is right now. If we did this uh, crossover a year ago today, Oh my God. It'd be a <laughs> matinee. Love fest. Yeah. Love that, fest. That's the thing. It's and like, rightfully so.
3: Yeah, and yeah. I think I think Nagy got a, some in some areas more blame than he deserved this season. There was certainly criticism for his uh, his indecision with the running game and not really sticking with it when it would struggle a little bit. But there were some offensive line issues in there, and then the quarterback issues. I mean, some Bears fans are are saying I'll stand with Trubisky and let Matt Nagy go. So it's been it's been like one of these fights of like. Ew. You, you, you want to defend Matt Nagy and be like hey wait a minute let's 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 be serious here about the quarterback and the coach situation but you don't want to excuse some of the mistakes he made either so you're kind of just best to I guess stay quiet about Matt Nagy and see what he's <laughs> able to do with this offense next year because the scheme is there we've seen it and he's had to dumb some things down for Trubisky and scale some things back and simplify a lot of passing concepts that we're just not seeing the full open Kansas City Andy Reid type offense in Chicago because of what's happening with the quarterback position. So I give Matt Nagy the benefit of the doubt on a lot of that. But eventually there has to be some production here. And eventually he's got to put his foot down and say, okay, quarterback's not getting it done. Let's get somebody who can get it done so we can let Matt Nagy be Matt Nagy.
5: You can't you can't get rid of him until you have a quarterback.
4: We have we have to see Matt Nagy with a real quarterback. But this yeah. is this is to the point we made earlier. If if Matt Nagy thinks that quarterback is Mitch Trubisky, that says as much about him as as anything else. And that Fair becomes enough. a problem. I uh, I want to know from from each of you, if you could, if you were in charge, if if you know you were running the team and you could pick one thing this off season, whether it's a draft pick, a free agent acquisition, a trade, the one thing that you'd like to see your team that is feasible, at least everyone you know trade for Julio Jones or whatever. Give me something feasible or at least possible um, that that your team could do, and let's start with Matt.
1: Well, the Detroit Lions are picking third. They need players. If they just sit there at three and just draft a guy, Jeffrey Okuda, Isaiah Simmons, Derek Brown, all needs, Mm -hmm. they're stupid. Bob Quinn has got to trade back. He's got to dangle that Tua pick. He's got to spend the next couple of months telling everybody how much they love Tua. They're going to work out Tua. They're going to interview Tua. Drive the price up. Make Miami. Beg for it. And then... You know, and, and then the Dolphins can send you the fifth pick and a couple of second rounders or one of their first rounders, uh, and, and accumulate those picks. And then if you draft at five, you still might get Okuda there or Brown or 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 whomever Simmons might all be there. Um, you know, uh, to me that's a no-brainer. If they just sit at, th- to me I'd be okay if they took Tua. I would be. I'm not high on it, but I'd get it. Trade back if they just stay at three, don't trade down, and take Okuda. Or one of these guys, I, I I'll shake my head. The Lions must trade back, accumulate picks, and uh, and 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 to get as many players as they can. I
3: like it, Lauren. I I hate to sound like a broken record, but give me a quarterback. <laughs> I mean, really, like I think. How, how about this for, for like a wish list kind of thing? I I find myself in the camp that get Philip Rivers if he's. I mean, and obviously oh. Tom Brady and Drew Brees to be determined whether either one of those is actually available, but. I'd, I'd roll the dice on Philip Rivers. Try that for a year or two, because I feel like that's about where this window is for this Bears team in terms of all the guys they've got locked in on contracts. Defensively, you know, two years from now, then you'll start to have guys pushing thirty and those dollar amounts being pretty difficult so you know ride for a couple years of Philip Rivers with Matt Nagy see if you can you know sneak into that Super Bowl discussion and if if it doesn't work out and Rivers is over the hill then you're kind of back where you would have been without him anyway still needing a quarterback and kind of in this time to reopen the championship window and blow things up a little bit so yeah give me give me the the veteran potentially future Hall of Fame quarterback that I don't think is going to happen I think the Bears will go with more of a a backup competition option, but give me the bona fide starter who I think Matt Nagy could really do some things with.
4: I love that. Luke, what are you thinking?
5: I'm agonizing on one hand. I (laughs) I want them to, to get a, you know, a a waiting in the wings, Patrick Mahomes style quarterback that could take over. If you decide Mm. you don't like Kirk cousins. On the other hand, I'm thinking about the defensive line and how the interior of the defensive line was so bad and draft Javon Kinlaw or something. But I think I'm going to go with the problem that has plagued the Vikings for like a decade and it's offensive line. Give me Josh Jones. He is the perfect mm. tackle for a zone scheme. He can plug and play, be a day one starter at left tackle, allow you to move Riley Reef inside to guard, potentially restructure that contract, save a little bit of money, um and then you would have an offensive line that can actually protect Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins in a wide zone with a good offensive line, I like those chances.
4: Josh Jones from from Houston. Right. The offensive tackle. He's he's big. He's athletic that that works out for me. I like not a draft pick, not a free agent acquisition. I would be calling Les need who needs to get off money and saying, what is it going to take for us to get Robert Woods? Because I think he is someone who who Matt LaFleur knows. Uh, It would it would save uh, the Rams who have to pay Cooper Cup. They've got to pay Jared Goff, who, by the way, is the most expensive player in the league next year by salary cap cost. That is not great for them. Yikes. And if you're going to go build long term, you have to pay Cooper Cup. And it's just untenable to pay Cup, Cooks and Woods. And I don't think anyone's going to trade for Brandon Cooks, So you're stuck. Even if it's going to be a a second. Yeah. Even if it's going to be a second, even a second and some stuff. If you put Woods in this Packers offense, reliability to create third downs, he can create shot plays, you can give him um, those uh, jet sweeps, deep overs, deep posts, whatever you want to run, Robert Woods can run it. And I, I think he immediately puts the Packers in that favorite conversation uh, in that kind of position. That That's that's where I am for that.
1: Can I just throw a quick curveball at everybody's way? Um, there's reports coming out today as we're recording over the weekend that The Dolphins are trying to move up to two to get Tua. So if the Redskins are somehow trading with Miami and Miami takes Tua, Chase Young at three, the Lions, if that were to happen, the Lions should run that card up to Goodell before they even get through Tonga Vailoa, uh, (laughs) last name for Miami. So watch for that as well if if some of these reports out of South Florida are true that Miami's trying to talk to the Redskins because if Chase Young is somehow there at three, then then I'd be okay with them taking him there.
3: Yeah, totally flipping your script there with that one, Matt. <laughs> Makes me want Josh Jones all the more.
1: There, yeah, there you well, go. Well, and, and
4: that could be posturing too, right? That could be that could be Miami's way of saying, "Hey, if you don't play ball, Lions, we'll go over your head." That's what it sounds. I mean, that's that seems cuz they don't really have to go up to 2 cuz the Washington's not going to take a quarterback. They could
3: Josh Rosen, Dwayne Haskins, though, and you know, have take another first-round yep. quarterback two
4: years in a row. If I suppose I they mean, could.
1: Also a brand-new front off office there in Washington now, so.
4: Dan Steiner's still in charge, so always expect <laughs> the unexpected with them. <laughs> Do we have any final top-line thoughts, top tree-top thoughts about 2020 in the NFC North? Anyone?
3: Still going to be one of the best divisions in football, I think. It's
4: going to I be think, competitive.
5: I think the good teams are going to fall back, and I think the bad teams are going to come up, and then it's going to be another weird one where everybody's two seconds, two two bounces away from going nine and seven.
1: I think Minnesota wins it. Uh, if, if I was just guessing, I'm with Peter about the Packer regression, and I, I don't know, maybe I have been. I like what Minnesota's doing, and uh, they get a you know, healthy feeling back and everything else. I think I think they'll definitely win it.
4: Wow, definitely win it. Those are I fighting No, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs>
5: <laughs> I'm not even that confident. <laughs> a lot yeah, I think of it's one of those.
4: It's, it feels like one of those divisions that the, the 10 and six could be enough, just because there'll be so much beat up teams that you're. It's going to be a battle every time you play someone in the NFC North. There are no gimmies in this division. This is not, you know, some of those some of those AFC divisions where you know you have two or three four games a year where it's just write it in. You're winning.
5: The one with a subscription that delivers new brush heads for just $5. Your teeth deserve this one. Philips One by Sonicare. One up your brushing. Learn more at philips.com one. That's p-h-i-l-i-p-s dot com slash o-n-e.
2: This episode is brought to you by Shell.
4: All right, our ultimate crossover series has completed. We are all done with that. If you haven't listened to the shows earlier in the week, some great discussions in there about the other teams around the Packers. And I think the Packers are the favorites. A lot to be determined, though, as we go through the offseason. Maybe there are big moves out there for the Bears or the Vikings or someone to really get in the mix for this. And there could be, you know, big-time moves for the Lions. And maybe they go the other direction. We'll see what happens with them so much can change when we go through this pre-free agency process, actual free agency and then of course the draft. There's going to be summer cuts, there's going to be trades, all kinds of stuff here. I mean, we will not have a shortage of stuff to talk about as we move into next week and beyond. The combine coming up here in less than 2 weeks now and we are going to start our off-season discussions about the linebackers next week. That off-season report card looking at the players that Green Bay had last year, the players they have now, and the players they could add, free agency, draft, etc.—and and it is, it is not great. And I think it's more likely now that after I've studied this that Green Bay just says, oh, if we can't find anybody, we can't find anybody, and Oren Burks and Curtis Bolton can hold down the fort for now, and we'll figure it out in a year. I don't think that is crazy that Green Bay would do that. Is it the prudent play? I don't know. We'll see. It depends on what the options are, and, of course, context always matters remember you can follow me on twitter at peter underscore brukowski you can follow the podcast on twitter at locked on packers like us on facebook subscribe to the podcast itunes spotify google podcasts wherever you find podcasts you will find locked on packers and anytime you want to hit us up on the locked on packers fan hotline you can do that 920-341-3775 to stay locked on packers